0: Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Galatians, uh, chapter 3, starting with verse 26, and going to the fourth chapter, verse uh, 7. Hear now the word of our Lord. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you an heir. This is the work of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Paul is writing this letter to the Galatians, um, a church that he's having a lot of trouble with, actually. If you read the whole letter of Galatians, it's, well, it's kind of an angry letter. (laughs) It's kind of a a, a tirade that that, uh, that, uh, Paul is writing, kind of a uh, to whom this may concern kind of a letter, where he's trying to correct a lot of what he sees as their... um, Well, they're theological heresies. Um, He feels like he he set up this church just right, and then he left, and people came behind him and started messing it up, and uh, he's doing what former pastors are never supposed to do, and he's meddling (laughs) in his old congregation. But in the midst of this, he is talking to the Galatians about what it means to be children of God what it means to be heirs to God's promise. And he tells them this, that God sent his spirit into their hearts. And it's that spirit within them that cries out, Abba, Father. It's the spirit that God put within us, as his children that calls out to our Father. Abba Abba is this, this Aramaic word. Aramaic is the dialect of Hebrew that Jesus spoke. It's this Aramaic word, and it's a term of respect, but it's also a term of endearment for one's father. And the closest translation I can think of is Papa. Papa. See, there's this spirit within us that calls out to God, Papa, Father. And I believe it's not just in us as Christians, but in every heart. It's this this prevenient work that the Spirit is doing within every heart that calls out their Heavenly Father. We're all born, whether we know it or not, with this voice that is calling out to God, drawing us to our Heavenly Father, Papa, Father. When I was, um, I guess about 11 years old, my brother and I were at our friend Jack's house. And Jack lived in this little two bedroom house and um, and it didn't have a lot of furniture. And I I remember we were sitting in Jack's bedroom and uh, we were playing Power Rangers. And um, as, as Power Rangers do, we started getting kind of rowdy. And we were jumping on the bed, and we were karate chopping and karate kicking. And as often happens, someone falls off the bed and crashes into the dresser. Now, nothing was broken, but there was this big, loud crash. And it was my brother, Scotty. And at first, we were all shocked, and then he started laughing, and we knew he was Okay. So this is the position we were in when the door to the bedroom swings open. And it's Jack's dad. And Jack's dad was this like skinny muscular man with, with a beard and, uh, and 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 jeans and a t-shirt and a ball cap. And he looked at Jack and he said, What was that noise? And Jack got really pale. His bottom lip started quivering. He said nothing. It didn't sound like nothing. And, uh, and, and, and then uh, my brother volunteered. Oh, oh, we were playing on the bed and, uh, and someone fell, but everyone's okay. And, um, and then Jack's dad looked at him and said, How many times have I told you not to play on that bed? And um, Jack got really quiet. His eyes got wide and he looked terrified. And suddenly, Jack's dad made a move toward him and Jack jumps up, yells no, and, and he starts running out the door and his dad chases after him, undoing his belt the whole time. And uh, Jack uh, runs into the next bedroom, uh, but before, uh, before he can close the door, his dad gets, gets in the bedroom with him, and the door slams behind him. And all my brother and I can hear is, is the deep voice shouting, the high voice screaming, the, the sound of the leather belt on flesh. And a lot of thumping and thrashing. After what seemed like an eternity, Jack emerged from the room. His face was red, he had tears going down each cheek. And he told us, You all have to go home now. And so my brother and I walked home. We were too young to understand what we had witnessed. But our parents asked us why we were so home, home so early and we told them what had happened and that was the last time we were ever allowed to play at Jack's house. I say this because I wonder sometimes how a boy like Jack, when he grows up, how he sees his heavenly father. See, it's easy for me to connect to this idea of a good, good father because I had a good, good father. But so many people haven't. And so I wonder if when they picture their heavenly father, they picture uh, the, the angry man in the next room with the volcanic temper who anything could set him off and just, just, just keep your voice down. And I want I think about my other friends I had growing up who didn't even have a father who was around, who, uh, who that father was just, the shadow was always hanging over the family, but he was gone, he was absent. Maybe they were being raised by their grandparents, or I, I can remember a friend, I would go spend a night at his house, and, uh, and it was just him and his mother, and sometimes his mother's boyfriend. And it seemed so awkward and yet it was normal for him. This so is some people view view their heavenly father as is this angry father with this with this volcanic temper who who's uh who, who wants to smite his children. And then some some people view God as this absent father. You know when he's uh He's uh, he he was involved in the creation process, but he's been neglecting his child support ever since. And so, how are we to understand our heavenly Father? What is God like? What is our heavenly Father like? I have a story that might help us think about it. Um, Probably heard it before. See, um, in eastern Kentucky around uh, the early 1900s, um, the Castle Coal Mining Company um, owned like a third of the coal mines in eastern Kentucky, especially in uh, in Letcher County, um, Jenkins and Fleming. Um, They were all castle coal mining companies. And all of these mines were owned by this uh by this wealthy coal baron named george castle now george castle had had worked his way up uh from nothing, but now he was he was the wealthy man who literally had the house on the hill right the the big white house with those columns that went down the porch right and um and and, and it stood on acres of property. And, uh, and, and he had, uh, had weight staff, you know, there in the house, Just lived like a wealthy coal baron. Well George Castle had two sons, Jacob and Eric. Um, Eric was the oldest. Jacob was younger. And, uh, and, and their mother died when they were young. And so all the time they were growing up, it was George it was Eric and Jacob, living in that big house on the hill that had more rooms than you could count, and all this wait staff. Well, when the kids get older, 18 and 20, uh, George Castle is worried that um, his kids, who have just sort of grown up in luxury their whole life, they're not going to understand the value of hard work. And so one day, uh, he calls them onto his porch... And I said, boys, I want to talk to you about something. And on this porch, it's, it's overlooking the whole town of Jenkins, and, uh, and, and you can see uh, just uh, below the hill uh, the coal mining camps and, uh, and one of the biggest coal mines uh, that, that he owned. And you can look out and you can see the town of Jenkins, and then a little further than that, you can see uh, the old railroad station whose tracks uh, zigzag through the Appalachian foothills. And so, uh, so George Jenkins is showing his boys all of this property out there. And he says, you know what, boys? Someday, when I pass, all of this is going to be yours. Um, I, I, I've, I've instructed my lawyers, they're, they're, they're going to divide it in half the deeds uh, to all my property, the shares and the company, all of the assets, everything someday is going to be divided up between the two of you. And you're going to be in charge of all of this. But I'm worried that you're not going to understand the value of hard work or that, that you're not going to understand um, the way the people who work for you live and where they come from. Um, I'm, understand- and I'm afraid that because of that, you won't be good leaguers. And so here's what I've decided to do. I've arranged, starting tomorrow, the two of you boys are going to start working in the mines. And I want you to, uh, to work in the mines and live in the coal camps and, um, and work your way up. So that when I died, you'll be, you'll be uh, uh, good leaguers who understand the value of hard work, who, who know what the people under you are going through. Well, as you can imagine, this comes as a shock to these, these two little boys, now young men, who have been, you know, pampered their whole life. And the oldest, Eric, not sure how he feels about this, but he kisses his dad on the cheek, and he says, whatever you say, Papa, and goes inside. Well, Jacob, Jacob feels differently, right, and Jacob is is starting to think, and he's starting to, like... It's all going through his head what this is going to mean. All that he's going to be giving up. And, 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 and he doesn't even really want to work, I mean, be in charge of the minds when his father passes. Anyways, he has always had these dreams about going places and doing things. And he's starting to see that dream that he's had, that vision for his life, is, is starting to escape from him. He's starting to get angry. And he's standing there red-faced and quaking. And, 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 and old George Castle says to him, What what's the matter? He says, Are you addled, old man? Are you are you are you crazy? Do you really expect me to, to, to slave away in a hole for, 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 for years while I wait for you to die with a bunch of with a bunch of dirty hillbillies? When I belong up here on the hill? I don't want to be in charge of your stupid minds when you die. I want to go places and do things. If you really loved me, if you really cared about me, you would give me what's mine now. And let me go live the life I want to live. If you really loved me. Now, here's what you have to understand. Nobody, I mean nobody, talks George Castle that way. Like, George Castle was the kind of man, like, like the governor would call up in the morning to ask permission to take a shower, right? This, this is not the kind of person that, that gets talked to this way. And so, George Castle looks at his boy, he's gritting his teeth, He's clenching his fists, and then he turns around and slams the door. And Jacob is left there on the porch, not knowing what to do. Seems like forever. It's probably about ten minutes. The door opens again. And George Castle is standing there with a big manila envelope. And he hands it to Jacob. And he opens the envelope. And it's all there. Half the deeds to half the property. Half the assets. Half the shares in the company. And, and, and checks for half the money in the bank. It's all there. And he looks at his son and says, This is the result of years of saving and hard work spend it wisely. In that moment holding that envelope Jacob despised his father. And he said this is the last you will ever see of me old man. And George Castle watched on his porch down the road as, as his son became a speck, and then he was gone. Later, he was, he was sitting at the table with his, uh, with his son, Eric, and uh, he, tur- he heard a train whistle. And he knew that was Jacob leaving forever. Now, Jacob gets on that train and, uh, and goes up north, and he winds up, and of all places, Cincinnati, Ohio. Now, here's what you have to understand. Uh, you don't think of Cincinnati, Ohio as being necessarily a happening place right now, although it's probably more happening than Rhyner, Virginia, right? But this was like the mid to late, like roaring 20s, okay? And Cincinnati was a happening... Tr- place because of all the trade going on on the Ohio River. This was the place with tall buildings and with, with, with jazz clubs and, uh, and wild parties. And uh, so, uh, so Jacob was spending his time in, uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, and he was just blowing through that money, right? He, he was on the riverboats gambling. Um, he was uh, going to all those uh those speakeasies and uh and um enjoying a little speakeasy, right? And uh and of course he was uh wooing loose women and just uh, all that he could he, he could uh he could think of to spend his money on. And uh and of course when you're spending high, you're making all kinds of friends, right? And, uh, and he's got these collection of friends around him. And some of them are like, uh, are like wealthy, wealthy upper crust. And, um, and he's starting to blow through his money. And in a couple of years, like he's blown through the assets. He sold off the deeds to the company. He's blown through that. And, uh, and, and then he's he blown through the cash a long time ago. And so all he's got less left are uh are these stocks to the castle coal mining company and uh and his friends all convince him hey uh hey you should sell that and, and you should invest in in these high yield high return stocks and uh and and so uh so he lets some of his friends talk him into that stuff and um he's living large off that money well i mean you know how the story goes October 29th, 1929, Black Tuesday, the stock market crashes. Overnight, Jacob Castle goes from from living large and having everything he's ever dreamed to being destitute. Meanwhile... Eric Castle, the older brother, has been working his way up. He's starting in the mine just like his, his, his dad arranged him to, and he quickly distinguished himself. In a couple of years, uh, uh, he was a manager of that coal mine. And, uh, and, and he worked hard, and by the sweat of his brow, uh, you know, he was building up a life for himself. The only thing... Is that he hardly saw his dad anymore. Because he kept so busy, he was working so hard down there in the mines and, 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 and running it, and because his dad hardly came out of the house and hardly came down the hill. So he rarely saw his dad anymore. But... Uh, sometimes in the late afternoon, uh, he, he would go out and, uh, and, and, and he, would, uh, he, would, he would see up on the, uh, the old castle house. Uh, the people in town sometimes they just call it the castle. He would go look up at the castle, and uh, if he squinted, he could see his dad sitting on the porch. And he'd be sitting on his chair, and he'd just be sitting there in the late afternoon. Now, Eric Castle didn't know that his brother was homeless. But if he did, he wouldn't have cared. Right? The brother was dead to him. You know older brothers, right? Well, Jacob Castle was homeless. And he was friendless too. Right? All those people that had gathered around him when he had money, suddenly they had evaporated into thin air. And uh, Jacob uh, was uh, like everyone in the Great Depression. He was, he was looking for a job. The only thing is he had lived in, in the castle house his whole life and he didn't have any skills. And he didn't have any muscles and there was nothing he could really offer. And so he faced rejection after rejection. And after about a year of this, he really stopped looking. Because he, he had gotten kind of used to being homeless. Right? He found this, uh, this, uh, this basement in one, of the, in one of the city buildings that he could squag in most nights. And, uh, and, and he had sort of located where all the free meals were. as the depression wore on, one by one, those free meal places began to get closed down. And eventually, uh, he was chased out of that basement and uh, he wound up living with a bunch of other homeless people um, in little Hooverville shacks down by the river. One day, Jacob is in this dark, damp Alley. It's raining. Uh, It's out behind a restaurant and it's rummaging. He's rummaging through the trash because it's been a couple days since he's eaten. So he's got that hunger headache and he's got these pangs in his stomach. He's having trouble thinking. He feels really weak. And so he's just rummaging through the trash and he finds wrapped up in a newspaper. This, this slab of ribs that's half eaten. But because it's been wrapped up in this newspaper, it's the only food the maggots haven't got to. And it's cold, but he eats it. One by one, taking the bones, chewing the meat off, and then throwing the bones away. And when he's done, he's left with the newspaper. And he looks down at it, and he's seizing ad for the Castle Coal Mining Company. And that, friends, that is the exact moment that Jacob Castle came to his senses. Right? And he started thinking to himself, the people that work in my dad's coal mines, that, that live in that coal camp, I mean, their life's not great, but at least they have Food to eat. At least they have. At least they have a roof over their head. He pictures his dad, and he can picture how angry he is. He was, or or probably is, right. And and he just knows there's no way I can go back to him, right? There's no way he'll take me back in after what I did and what I've said, and I don't have have a penny of his money to show, and, and he can be so angry. But he realizes he doesn't have any other choice, and so uh, he hops on a boxcar and a train headed south. And the whole time he's in that boxcar, he's sort of rehearsing the speech, what he's going to say. He's going to say, "Say, Father, I know I can never be forgiven." I, I know that the the what i did to you um it was wrong and, and it was stupid and 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 i know i can never be forgiven. and i'm not asking to be taken into your house and i'm not asking to to be your son again i i just wonder if, if you have enough mercy just enough enough compassion just to just to let me live in your coal camp and, and, and to 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 work as one of the miners in your coal mine just do that so i can have Food to eat, and, and, and I'll never darken your door again. Meanwhile, old George Castle is the talk of the town. See, he hardly ever leaves the house anymore, and, and the townspeople have sort of taken to gossiping about him. You know, uh, he thinks he's too good to be down here with the common folk just stays in his house on the hill. And then they gossip about, they gossip about his son. Right? Um, you heard old you heard Jacob Castle went to went to Cincinnati and, and blew half of the castle fortune on God knows what with who knows who, right? But the thing is, is George Castle has got himself into this routine See, every day at 2 o'clock, he hears the train whistle blow. And every day at 2 o'clock when he hears that train whistle blow, he goes out on his porch and he sits down in his chair. And he waits until dinner. In case, this is the day his boy gets off the train and comes home. Every day. He hears the train whistle blow at 2 o'clock and he gets in his chair and he sits there until dinner, waiting. Then, about dinner time, he says, Well, I guess he's not coming today, and he goes about his life. He does that every day without fail, 2 o'clock to dinner time. Well, this particular day, it's about 3 o'clock, he's uh, sitting in his chair. And he notices a speck down the road. Now he thinks to himself, I've been fooled too many times before. It's probably a mailman. But as the speck gets a little closer, he can make it out better, and he knows it's not the mailman. Um, Frankly, uh, if someone looked, Pretty bedraggled It's probably, is probably um, uh, some homeless person or some poor person who's coming up to the house on the hill and, and he's going to ask for a handout. But as, as the uh, bedraggled speck approaches and gets closer, now it's different, mind you. Like he, he looks bonier, looks older, his features are worn, he's got this beard he never had before. But as soon as he can make out the face, he knows who it is. That's my boy. And George Castle takes off running, right? He doesn't even think about it. He he just uh, sort of hops over the porch and he takes off running, right? And he's running down the road. Now, the whole time, Jacob Castle is, uh, uh he's, he's coming down the road and he's kind of rehearsing his speech. He's kind of thinking through what he's going to say. Uh, uh, Father, I, I I know that um I, I I what I did can never be forgiven, and I don't deserve to be your son. And I, I I'm not asking for that. Um, I, I'm just uh, uh, I'll never darken your door again. Please just let me work into mines, Right? He's 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 working up his courage because when when he gets to the porch, he's gonna have to get on his knees and he's gonna have to say this. And as he's as he's sort of rehearsing, and then he looks up. And he sees his father, and he looks into old George Castle's eyes. And he doesn't know what he's going to do, right? And he flinches for a second. Is he going to smack me? What, what's going to happen? And so he starts his speech. Father, uh, what I was going to say is, what what I the thing I did. I know. I can't forgive. No, I, I mean, I know you can't forgive. Whoa! And suddenly he's up in the air. And his father's got his arms wrapped around him. And, and he's just hugging him up in the air, swinging him back and forth. And he says, my boy, my boy, I thought you were gone forever. I thought, I thought you, were, you, you were dead out there when I didn't hear from you. And here you are, you're back. And, 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 he's, he's taking his boy down the road and, uh, to all the waitstaff, all the servants. He's saying, my son's back, my son's back. Look, my boy, Jacob, he's here. And, and he says, okay, all right, uh, get this boy a shower. All right, get him a fresh set of clothes. We are having a party tonight. All right, we're going to put out the best lights, put out the, the best, the best china. We are, uh, uh, oh, oh, that, that, that banjo fiddle band, get them in here. Um, uh, the, the honey-baked ham. We need the honey-baked ham, like, like the good one, the one that's been aging. We age honey-baked hams in Kentucky. It's a thing, right? Get that out. Hot browns. We're making hot browns, all right? We're going to have hot browns and, uh, and the bourbon. No, not that bourbon. The one down in the basement. The You know, Grandpa's bourbon, all right? Uh, get that out. And, uh, and he's so excited. Now, Eric Castle is coming to the end of a hard day's work. Uh, he's down in the coal camps. Uh, he's washing the coal dust off, and he hears music. And at first, he thinks maybe it's it's someone a couple houses down. Maybe some people they're 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 picking a little bit. But you know, that sounds like a band. And it sounds like he's coming from far away. And so he, he leaves his house. And sure enough, he looks up on the hill at the old castle house. Every light is on. Um, there's, a, there's there's a huge crowd streaming into the doors. And he hears all of this music. And he thinks to himself, Dad hasn't come out of that house for years. And now he's having a party and, and, and didn't even mention it to me. And so he decides uh, to go up there and, and check it out, see what's going on. And as he gets close, um, one of the members of the wait staff, one of the servants is coming out of the house, and they, they said, great news! Your brother Jacob, he's home! We're having a party! We're celebrating! Now, Eric does not take this the way we think he should, right? Suddenly he gets upset. Just, just standing there, frozen in his tracks in the road, just gritting his teeth a little bit. And he fumes, and he fumes, and he thinks for a second, and he turns around to head down the hill. But as he's turning, he hears the voice, "Son, son, what are you doing out here? Come inside. Didn't you hear?" Jacob's back. We're all celebrating. And that's, that's when Eric loses his cool. Celebrating? Celebrating? All these years... All these years, I've done exactly what you asked me to. I've worked in the mines just like you asked me to work. I've done all the things you told me to do. And you're celebrating? I was promoted to manager years ago. You never celebrated for me? Never had a bluegrass band for me? Right? I I was down the hill. You hardly ever talked to me. And now you're celebrating this, this, this son of yours who blew half of the family fortune up in Cincinnati on, on God knows what with who knows what. He comes waltzing back. He comes trotting back. And you're celebrating? It's not fair. George wraps his arms around his son. And now he's crying. And so he holds his son Eric's head up to his chest, begins to stroke his hair like he did when he was a boy. he says, My boy, my son, you have had me always. Everything I have is yours. All you needed to do was ask. But isn't it right that we should celebrate your brother coming home? Because he was dead. He's alive again. He was lost. And now he's found. Heard that story before? I think you have. It's in Luke, the prodigal son. It's about two brothers. One thinks the father is angry. One thinks the Father is absent. Both, both couldn't be more wrong. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.